Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is on the air. Never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is a call to arms for those American patriots who, in the tradition of our founding fathers, will stand up now to defend the Constitution and the liberties that it guarantees to each citizen, to each of us. That is our mission, to explain in a clear and concise manner the direct effect of each issue on the individual, on you personally not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin. We're talking on Freedom Forum Radio um, with our guest, uh, Donnie Kennedy. And and Donnie Kennedy uh, is the Lieutenant Commander-in-Chief of the National Sons of the... Confederate veterans. Uh, he and his brother Ron have written a book called The South Was Right. Uh, it's available on Amazon.com. Uh, and we have now had a really good discussion about states' rights. And, and the states' rights is, is really the crux of, of this entire discussion that we're having and the entire issue uh, at hand here. And you mentioned the uh, Declaration of Independence. Uh, our, we have three founding documents, as you know, the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, and the Bill of Rights. Uh, the the Declaration of Independence is really a statement of, of the principles of our country. And we've talked about those, uh, that all men are created equal, endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, matter among them are life, liberty, and property. And it talks about the fact that the that the government must govern with the cons- by the consent of the government and you have to have consent of the governed in order to run a government and what happens is and what we have seen is when the government acts in such a way as to take away the rights as enumerated for instance in the bill of rights when the government acts in that kind of a malicious way to take away, abolish, or amend those rights, then they lose the consent of the governed. And as outlined in the Declaration of Independence, people, when they say, you no longer have my consent to govern me, not because I don't agree with the, the laws you wrote or whatever, I don't agree that you have the, that my consent anymore because you're taking away my freedom. And that is what happened in 1860. And that's why there was secession. Uh, yes. The central government uh, and the northern industrialists were acting in a way to economically punish the South uh, for their own personal financial gain. And when the South said, I've had enough, uh, they withdrew their consent to be governed. So, uh, Dan, Dr. Dan, no. uh, you you uh, you made a point there, and uh, I wanted to just kind of tell you one thing, pass one thing on to the folks. It wasn't just Southerners who understood this. 
uh, Senator Joseph Joseph Lane of Oregon in 1861, right before Lincoln, when Lincoln called out troops to invade the seceded states of the South, Senator Joseph Lane of Oregon said, if you pursue this, you will destroy the, the Constitution and you will create not states, but of provinces of empires. He said, you will convert the United States into an empire and states will be no more than a province of an empire. And he went on to say that a province of an empire exists not for the people, but for the empire. And that is exactly what happened. And Joseph Lane from Oregon. Now, Oregon folks, in case you don't know your geography, it is not a Southern state, but Joseph Lane was absolutely uh, Senator Joseph Lane was absolutely correct. This is what happened to America. It's what happened to us that we had to deal with today. So let's talk and let's switch gears a little bit. Uh, uh, Donnie, uh, let's talk about the article that you wrote. Uh, and of course, the title of that article is, Are Southerners Still Welcome in Our Military? And that, of course, speaks to what the uh, the Naming Commission, the Department of Defense, and uh, mobs of people in general are trying to do uh, to erase our history, to erase the history of that era. Um, and they're doing that, of course, for a specific purpose. Uh, so let's talk about the history of Southern War heroes and why were statues and other memorials erected. And they were erected all over the country. It wasn't just in the South. Exactly. So what was the meaning of that? Exactly. Well, for one thing, you have to remember that many mothers, many uh, wives, many sisters, they did not have a memorial to their fallen son, husband, brother, etc. He was buried in some unmarked grave in some battlefield, God knows where. So these memorials became almost like a cemetery where they could take uh, memorial ceremonies and remember the fallen people that were no longer with them. That is the main reason it was to memorialize and to show the people of neck of the future generations who these people were and what they were fighting for. Now, I loved it when people tell me that, number one, that uh, the Confederate memorial is uh, a memorial to white supremacy. Uh, I don't know if any of your viewers are familiar with this, but there was a group of black representatives in Mississippi in 1890 led by a representative, John Harris. Representative Harris was a Republican. He was one of the last few six, uh, I think it was six representatives, uh, black representatives in Mississippi. And Mississippi was attempting to raise funds to put a Confederate memorial up. And some of the white legislature said, well, we just don't have the money. We don't need to do it. Uh, we shouldn't put this monument because we just don't have the money. Representative Harris got up on the, and I have his total speech that he made that I got from the court of the uh, Capitol in Jackson, Mississippi. And he said, quote, I too wore the gray, the same color my master wore. And if that war had gone on till this day, we would still be there. And then he went on to say, these men did not go off fighting for any other reason than protect their home and their territory and their families, and they should be recognized. And he said he was casting his vote in order to erect that Confederate monument. And he and every Black representative in the legislature of Mississippi 
Mississippi in 1890 voted to erect that monument. And that monument exists today in front of the old Capitol in Jackson, Mississippi. Now, if that monument is being raised for white supremacy, did those six black men, were they that dumb that they didn't recognize that they were voting for a white supremacist monument? Absolutely not. Everybody knew what they were voting for. They were voting to recognize brave men who did not have a memorial in the family cemetery. And that is what those memorials were about. Now, just to back up a little bit, uh, Mayo C. Tung, you and I, Dr. Dan, are old enough to remember the Red Guards and the uh, the Cultural Revolution. What was it that Mayo was after? What was it the uh, four O's that they were going to get rid of old things, old customs, old ways, old religions, et cetera, et cetera? They were going to destroy everything so they could build a new glorious society. Well, that didn't work out very well at all for them, but every revolution will try to destroy monuments. You said it quite well. Whether you're looking at the Soviet Union, what did the Soviet Union do when it uh, took over the uh, uh, Baltic states and everything? They got rid of, number one, the monuments. You couldn't show the flag. The currency was, uh, you could not have any of the old currency. I remember stories back during the Cold War of people from Lithuania, when they see an American tourist, they would give that American tourist an old uh, a piece of currency from the uh, Lithuania when it was a free country and said, please tell the people in the Western world we're still here. Well, that is why you don't want, that's why people do, don't want to have monuments because it reminds them of a time when people were free, when they ruled themselves, when they were proud of who they were and they could show pride in their heritage. And that's why these things have to be removed today. And as you read in the article, this is affecting our ability to uh, defend this nation. Uh, right now, recruitments in the U.S. military is down by 20 and 30 percent. And in the South, the South used to provide the bulk of the, uh, the troops and the enlistment, and that is going down because why would anyone want to go into the new woke military where drag queens are allowed, but Robert E. Lee is censored, where gay Pride flags are seen any and everywhere, but the Confederate flag is no longer seen. So this is why we have to defend our heritage and our culture. It is traditional American values that's under attack. Now, I don't know if you saw this or not in the recent news, Dr. Dan, but San Jose, California had to remove a monument to one of its founders. It was a monument to the gentleman. I cannot remember his name, but it was he was on horseback raising a U.S. flag, a United States flag. Well, some people in the community said it was a racist, colonialist uh, statue, and it had to be removed. The Sons of Confederate Veterans, many years ago, 20, 30 years ago, we warned our fellow Americans that this fight is not about Confederate monuments and Confederate flags. It is about destroying traditional American values sooner or later. When the, once they get rid of all the Confederate statues, they're going to go after other statues. And lo and behold, that's exactly what they are doing now. Matter of fact, uh, in Georgia, they're talking about to get, getting rid of Stone Mountain. Well, in uh, Mount Rush, Rushmore in South Dakota, 
they're talking about getting rid of it because you have two evil slaveholders there. You have a, a colonialist, imperialist president, Theodore Roosevelt, and you have Abraham Lincoln, which now they're discovering he was a white supremacist, which he was, which most people back in the 19th century were. But he was, and he was very uh, vocal about that. So now they're saying we're going to have to get rid of Mount Rushmore. It's not the Confederate flag. It's a U.S. flag they're going after. Dr. Dan, there's 13 stars on the Confederate flag. It's got 13 slave-holding states. We've got to get rid of it. But what about that United States flag? It's got 13 stripes on it. Guess what? Those stripes represent 13 slave-holding colonies and states. Are we going to get rid of the U.S. flag? All right, well, wait a minute. What about the Constitution? In three different areas in the Constitution, it defends and define slavery. Are we going to now have to get rid of the Constitution? Because, hey, we're talking about getting rid of anything that offends people, that reminds them of slavery. Listen, this is a push to destroy Western Christian values. It's not just the Confederacy they're after, folks. If you allow them to destroy the Confederacy, we're the low-hanging fruit, but it only is like throwing gasoline on the fire. The revolution continues, and every revolution ends up eating itself, and they will end up destroying the United States, the United States flag, the Constitution, everything we believe in if we don't stand firm against it. And that's why I'm so proud to be on here and allowed to, to give my opinion here, because Dr. Dan, we're in this together. We are defending traditional American values. And uh, I don't know if anyone here has seen it, but the uh, Sons of Confederate Veterans recently did a national poll. We had a polling company poll the United States of America and asked the citizens in America, how do you feel about the uh, Southern monuments, Confederate history, and traditional American heroes, local and national. Do you know that 60% of Americans responding to this poll said, keep Southern history and Southern heritage alive? 60%. Dr. Dan, we're, we're in the majority. We're not in the minority. The only problem is that those people are organized. We are not. So that is one of the things that we're going to have to look at in the future. Well, Donnie Kennedy, that's we've been talking about that we have learned some very important lessons from the history of that era. Uh, and that's why statues and memorials were built. They were built to remind us, not just of the events, because it's not just the events. It what does what do those events mean for the history of our nation? What do they mean? What are the lessons they teach us about our freedom, about our rights, about our ability to maintain our freedom against an onslaught from the global elite, the collectivists who want to enslave the whole world for their own personal gain? And if we are cut off from our history, well, that makes it more and more difficult for us to be free, and that's what they want. You know, like you said before, every totalitarian government, the first thing they do when they come to power is they cut the ties of the people to their history. Because if a people remembers their history, they strive always to be free. Who would want to be 
uh, a subject of a dictator. Uh, who would want to do that voluntarily? No one that I know of, certainly, and no one in their right mind. But if you cannot remember, if you are one or two or three generations removed from freedom, then you don't know any better. And that's why when the Nazis came to power, they burned all the books. Absolutely. So, so their citizens couldn't read about their great history, their great German history. They didn't want them to know about the great German history of the Renaissance and all the wonderful musicians and composers and 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 and, and authors and, and philosophers that the German nation had created. Those were all verboten, forbidden verboten, to the people. Right. They were forbidden because that's a link to the greatness of a nation. And what Hitler did, of course, was destroy all that, along with 8 to 15 million other people that he destroyed along the way. So we've also talked, which I like about, the constitutional implications of this whole era. Have you have any thoughts about that? We've talked about it, but let's talk about it just a little more. There are important implications for what is going on now to our freedom. What do you think? Yeah, I agree 100%. Uh, Ron and I, in, in all the books in the South, was right. It was just one of about 15 books that Ron and I have written. Uh, but in many of our books, we talk about uh, 100 years of conservative failure. Uh, as conservative, we've had some good tactical victories. Uh, Ronald Reagan's election was a tactical victory. But what happened? Did the federal government, was power reduced? No, the growth of the federal government was certainly reduced, the rate of growth. But the federal government ended up being just as big as it was. Uh, when Newt Gingrich took over, man, we heard from Bill Clinton that the era of big government was dead. Uh, how did that work out for us? You know, we've had some tactical victories, but we never learned how do we have a strategic victory. We will have continue along this line of 100 years of conservative failure if we don't realize we've got to have a game change in this nation. We've got to come around with a situation where we can force the federal government to recognize that we, the people at the local level, whether it's Wisconsin or North Carolina, Virginia or Oregon, the people in the local level, they are the ones who have ultimate authority in this nation, not some pointy-head bureaucrat in Washington, D.C., those people are our servant and not our master. I think it was George Washington who has been noted as saying that government is like fire. It's a useful servant or a fearful master. And this is why we need real states' rights, so we can force the federal government to be our servant and not our master. And folks, right now, the federal government is our master. I don't, we're under federal tyranny. And it's not as bad as the tyranny under Nazism or under, under uh, uh, the Soviet Union, but it's still tyranny. It's far removed from what the founding fathers intended for us to have. So we've got to get back to that system. And in many of the books that Ron and I have written, we've talked about what do we need to do? We've got to get back to where the states are sovereign. Right now, as I've said before, we don't have states' rights. You have state privileges. Uh, and a perfect example of this, uh, uh, Alabama 
they had uh, in their state, they had uh, the uh, uh, Ten Commandments in state, not federal, but state courthouses. The federal government said, no, Alabama, you can't do that. And this was under a Republican administration. They sent federal marshals into federal, into state courts in Alabama to remove the Ten Commandments in those state courts. You see, Alabama doesn't have a right. It has a privilege. And Alabama is no different than Michigan or any other state. We only can exercise those rights that our masters in Washington, D.C. allows us. So wait a minute. Wait a minute. What did I just say? Our masters? What did that make us? If we have a master in Washington, D.C., Dr. Dan, that sounds to me like we must be slaves. And that concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Join the battle on our website, www.drdansfreedomforum.com. The rights to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom. Never